It's hump day. It's Wednesday, the 22nd. It's for all you bonesmen out there who might be watching the show, I know there's a few of you. It's your day, isn't it? The 22nd day of the third month. Welcome to Quite Frankly. On the 23rd year of the new millennium. We have a good show tonight. At least I have to be confident that's going to be a good one. We have a great returning guest coming back to us in the form of Anomaly. Uh, We'll be talking about just culture and current events. See what's up. Take some calls. and, And then just kick through some more news. Especially as it pertains to what's going on or what may not be going on in New York. And the reasons why are just really incredible. Really incredible to see if this is um, if this is how it all has been torpedoed by this uh, Robert Costello. We'll talk about. Hopefully, we have some time to set that up before Anomaly comes on. But if not, we have the whole second half where I have some other clips we can play, interspersed among your calls. Um, so that'll be that'll be a good one. Tomorrow night we got we got Dr. Peter McCullough calling in. For a checkup, getting a checkup tomorrow with the doctor. Haven't spoken with him in just about a year, and we have plenty of questions, and I hope I'm able to get most of them in within the 30 minutes that we're able to do. I hope it. I hope we can get somewhere close to 30 minutes. But uh, that's what we have on the agenda tonight. Feeling good. Feeling good. So I want to thank you all for being here. I want to thank you all for helping syndicate the show tonight. I have tweeted this out among all of the, quite frankly, official social media accounts. Twitter, Gab, Truth Social, Getter, Telegram. So wherever you are hanging out the most, it should be there waiting for you. And if you can just get that out to your friends, your family, and even your enemies, that would be wonderful. All are welcome here. You you never know what's going to penetrate You never know what is going to be penetrating on any given night or who's going to be penetrated. But, um, but we, we, we try to, we try to invite all people in for the party. So that's what we have going on. And if you're watching on YouTube or rumble, please give this a thumbs up 
and if you start seeing that there are far too few likes, encourage all of your fellow uh, viewers to get a like in there along the way. And I'll be there to remind you, too, because it helps grow the show and get it at least visible to those who have voluntarily subscribed and just don't see anything that they subscribe for, for one reason or another. So thank you all. All right. That's what I have. And now we are joined by wonderful audiences across DLive and Twitch, Theta, YouTube, Rumble, Rockfin, and soon, I'm, I'm hoping, Getter, and we can get back on to Odyssey as well. I really want to be there again, working all that out, among other things. So, here we go. All right, into the grab bag we go. Did I set this up? Let's see, screen capture? No, I did not. Did everything else but that. Here it is. All right, first one up. First one up. You, you might have seen, if you were on Twitter at all, that Anna Kasparian from the Young Turks was trending today. And that's because she had some very controversial things to say about uh, what's going on with female identity and transgenderism and all that. She said the following, I'm a woman, please don't ever refer to me as a person with a uterus, a birthing person, or a person who menstruates. However, uh, how people, how do people not realize how degrading this is? You can support the transgender community without doing this shit. Now, for the level of mindlessness that we live around and how badly propagandized we are and psyoped we are into oblivion, uh, this is a pretty, a pretty big and bold statement. But of course, the real question I have is, what does everyone think is happening here? What, what, what do you, what does Anna Kasparian think the situation is right now? That she's upset that we couldn't freeze this cultural psychosis into a certain phase of its progression so it didn't go beyond? You know? Don't don't you understand? Every couple of years, the progressive mind virus leaves everyone behind. Where if you do not move, if you're not using the new vernacular, if you're not using, if you're not adjusting to what needs to continue to be stripped away and and uh, and subjected to this deconstructionist reality this this deconstructionist approach to to just living in reality then you are a a, a, a retrograde oppressor it's not enough to say, listen, if somebody's having a hard time and they're, they're dys- dysphoric in some way and it makes them feel better for putting on a dress, then okay, you know, you know, let's get them some help and be supportive and don't, uh, and what I, no, you can't do that. They actually are a woman or a man now. They are, they have become something else. They've come out of their cocoon and now they are, they are the opposite sex or they are fluid every day hour by hour something changes inside of them and outside of them apparently you know this is the way it changes and i don't understand why people like anna kasparian don't see this down the line this is like saying i I can't believe that my my uh, this this degenerative disease i had progressed i had i had a chance to stop it with some early treatment and all that stuff but now but uh it has now progressed and i i thought it was I thought it was going to stay in one place. I didn't know that if I didn't get my my uh, my 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 lower 
vertebrae looked at, this bulging disc in my back that it wasn't it wasn't going to pass on to the next discs. I was going to keep blowing out vertebrae. It's just incredible. And and the other thing that everybody has to stop doing is stop with the community shit. Everybody belonging to a community. That's ridiculous. We're talking about individuals, a small amount of individuals or a large amount of individuals suffering on their own. And the biggest problem is that the care that they're getting is not care at all. Here is a very short clip. It's about a minute long, 57 seconds long uh, of a of a girl who has who was uh, transitioning into as a uh, as a boy wanted to be a boy when she was 16 and is now detransitioned and is trying to regain some of her life back but take a listen to this take a listen to uh, take a listen to her story at 16 the very first medical intervention i ever had was a double mastectomy a few months later i was then put on cross sex hormones i am now 21 I live with constant joint pain to the point that it's so bad that I have not been able to get out of class, out of bed to go to class some days. My vocal cords ache, my breasts are gone, and I will never know if I will be able to carry a child because there's a good possibility I'm sterile. You call this care. I could not consent to this due to both my age and my mental health conditions, yet you call this care. My parents were baited with the idea that I would commit suicide if this was not given to me. They were told, would you rather have a dead daughter or a living son? These are not the words of a doctor. They are the words of a politically motivated activist. Kids deserve a chance to grow up whole. They deserve a chance at life. And there you have, uh, there you, you, I mean, those, those detransition stories are all over the place because we're going deeper and deeper into this now. Doesn't take very long for people to say, what the hell have I done? We're going deeper and deeper into this now. And in the next decade or two, it's going to be very, very very sorry sight for the millions who are being indoctrinated in this kind of a way. So I would, I would refrain from calling, I would refrain from community talk as it is, but saying I'm very supportive of the transgender community. It's not a community. There are, there are people who are, are suffering crisis. The problem is that all throughout that, that crisis is the state. It's state-sponsored media and entertainment, state-sponsored education, and all of the previous, previously abused children who have had their minds scrambled are now the teachers and the principals. So they're scrambling the more, more children's minds, and then they're feeding them to the state-sponsored medicine and the state-sponsored psychiatry. That's the issue here. It's not a community. It's, a, it's an industry. It's an industry. And and um, and it's it's a very hungry one. It's terrible. So here is a little bit more from France. As many people have been reporting, the uh, the Billy Clubs are coming out now. This is from Bernie's tweets. Bernie's spot forth reporting on things like all of these pension protests in places like France. The police are just beating people. And uh, here's here are some of the sites. Yeah, so they're all keeping it together nicely. 
it's happening all over the place. I'm sure that that was, you know, there's there's other places that were getting on a little bit more cordially than 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 there in France. But as we had talked about on on Monday, the protests are all over the place, all over the world for different reasons. So you just see this these waves of discontent running throughout the whole planet. I I think it's pretty interesting. I just wonder how much the microwaves have been turned up. Uh, here's another little something I got for you. This is from Study Finds. Doesn't surprise me too much. Nothing on this site really does. Are we growing more dumber? <laughs> it's <laughs> this is that's the headline. Are we growing more dumber? <laughs> uh, Americans' IQ scores drop four of five measurements. IQ scores significantly increased from 1932 through the 19th uh, through the 20th century all over the world, with differences ranging from roughly three to five IQ points per decade. This phenomenon is known as the Flynn effect. Now, however, a new study out in Northwestern University suggests a reverse Flynn effect of sorts may be taking place in the United States. This reverse Flynn effect was present across the United States sample covering between 2006 and 2018 in every category except one. Still, there were consistent negative slopes among three out of four cognitive domains, ability scored pertaining uh, ability scores pertaining to verbal reasoning, lo- uh, so that's logic and vocabulary, matrix reasoning, that's visual problem solving and analogies, and letter and number series, that's computational and mathematical. They all dropped over the course of the study period. However, scores of 3D rotation, spatial reasoning, generally increased between 2011 and 2018. Compositability scores, single scores derived from multiple pieces of information, were also lower across more recent samples. These scores, uh, difference, uh, these score differences persisted regardless of age, education, or gender. So what does that all mean? What does that all mean? Verbal reasoning, logic, and vocabulary. We know we are not masters of the English language anymore. That's for sure. Uh, Matrix reasoning, visual problem solving and analogies. And then computational and mathematical, all dropped. Despite the observed decline in IQ scores, corresponding study author Elizabeth Dworak Posits people shouldn't read these findings and think Americans are getting less intelligent. The the um, <laughs> the American community is not is not getting less intelligent. It doesn't mean that their mental ability is lower or higher. It just it's a difference in scores that are favoring older or newer samples. Okay. Gotcha. Explains Dwarak a research assistant professor of medical social sciences at Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine in a media release. It could just be that they're getting worse at taking tests or specifically worse at taking these kinds of tests. Right. I know. We're just going to start putting building block. We'll just start putting blocks in front. The, the types of blocks and, and puzzles that Aurora is using right now. That's what we should just start doing. Then everybody will just, will they will be passing in flying colors again. It'll be the biggest Flynn effect ever. We'll go up 18,000 points by the year 2027. You watch. Let's just change the test. There you go. Okay, well, here's another one. Dick Van Dyke, at 97 years old, crashes his car into a gate 
in Malibu. And you know what? Good for him. Not that he he's, I don't think he got hurt. I don't know if he did. You don't want him to get hurt. But good for him that he's driving. Is it his gate? Or is it just a gate? Because he was driving on his property and he's crashing into things. It's his right. Legendary TV star Dick Van Dyke reportedly was injured. Oh, well, that's not good. You don't want Dick Van Dyke to get injured. Who's going to dance with all those uh, those animated penguins with Mary Poppins? Dick Van Dyke reportedly was injured when he crashed his Lexus in Malibu after losing control behind the wheel. The 97-year-old actor Scar skidded in wet weather conditions before smashing into a gate on Wednesday morning. The ordeal left him with a bloody nose and mouth as well as possible concussion. Well, oh, there he is. Yeah, I can see. Is that his eye? Is his eye bleeding? I don't know. It looks pretty good. For 97, it looks pretty good. Oh, well, he looks a little disoriented right there. Looks like old man winter. You want to know something else? Good for Gene Hackman. I saw a picture of Gene Hackman recently. There's an article that he had been spotted somewhere in New Mexico. I guess that's where he lives now. And uh, he, I, someone took a picture of him driving in his pickup truck online uh, at the drive-thru at Burger King. And I said, you know, good for him. Order me a Whopper too at this point. Order me a Whopper as well, Gene. Good for them. I hope they don't get into accidents. Maybe it's just time for him to hang it up. 97 years old. Maybe it's time to hang it up. You don't want to hurt hurt anybody else. But that's it for right now. 7.15. We're going to take a little bit of a intro break. Come on back. We'll be welcoming Anomaly on the show in a little bit less than 10 minutes. And I hope that you are here to hang out with us. Don't go anywhere. We will be back in a jiff. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Right. 7.16 p.m. Had a lot of people get in touch with me, say that they had a good time on last night's show, which I was happy to hear because I got home and I just, I don't know. I didn't, uh, I didn't know how it, how it, uh, how it went over, but a lot of people enjoyed themselves and that was nice to see. And then I saw, I 
I flipped on the World Baseball Classic for the last four innings to see the United States lose to Japan 3-2. to two. So, so there was that. But here we are right now. I wanted to throw a few things out there into, onto the record. And that has to do with all of this DA, DA over here, the DA moving in a grand jury setting in New York, my home. Well, first, CNN was really upset. They seem upset that there's not a lot of protesting going on, I guess. Feds proceed with caution as potential Trump indictment fuels spor- sporadic calls for violence. Yeah, from the feds online. Right, right. Trace back all those IP addresses. It'll it'll be uh, it'll be it'll be the FBI, no doubt. Federal officials, including those at the FBI and Department of Homeland Security, are monitoring what they say has been an uptick in violent rhetoric online, including calls for civil war. Since President Donald Trump asked supporters to protest, what he had said, uh, what he had said in his impending arrest was his impending arrest. Yeah, that that I was not I was confused by. Totally confused, but thankfully, nobody really listened. But the online chatter has just been that and has lacked the actionable information, coordination, and volume that preceded the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, U.S. officials uh, and security experts tell CNN. So much irony in here and so much deception and omission just in these opening sentences right there. But... The online chatter has been just that, and it's lacked the actionable information, coordination, and volume that I'm sure everybody at CNN would have loved to see so they can make ridiculous War of 1812 references for three more years. But when it comes to that, we have a little something I want to I want to bring up. And we'll, I, I mean, I'm sure some of this we're going to be doing in the second half because I have some things that that go hand in hand with this, but we don't have the time to get to it. This is from Amuse, Amuse on Twitter. Just came up a little while ago. The Manhattan DA canceled his plans of, uh, the, his planned arrest of Donald Trump, President Trump, when his final grand jury witness told the jurors that Bragg was hiding hundreds of pages of exculpatory evidence from them. Bragg is at risk of being charged with prosecutorial misconduct. Now, who is this they're talking about? They're talking about that Robert Costello guy. The guy that we were, we were listening to uh, Judge Napolitano talk about the other night about his reputation and about his deep working knowledge of just what kind of a shitty person Michael Cohen is. And that any case that's built upon what Michael Cohen says is a case that is built upon a foundation of sand. And apparently he went rogue. He was the last witness. He went up there and instead of answering very specific questions, he just started dropping bombs. When I say bombs, I mean he's talking, he just wanted to get the jury, let the jury know about who Michael Cohen is about how much the DA Alvin Bragg over here is, is is withholding from them in order to actually get an indictment. You know, the whole point here is, can you get Donald Trump caught up in a trial, in a courtroom? Can you keep him in a courtroom instead of out there, uh, out there campaigning? Can you just keep him in a courtroom for any amount of time so you can get all the pictures you ever wanted, the humiliation and shame rituals that you wanted? That's what's really going on here. 
But don't worry, they still have all of the artificially intelligent art that has been produced of all these simulations of Donald Trump getting arrested. They, they just, they're, they're looking for the experience. However they can simulate it, they'll get it. Now, who knows what comes of all this, but it's really interesting now to see just how badly they were fighting to make this into anything that was workable for public consumption from within the New York District Attorney's Office. It's just incredible. Look at look at look at uh, a a G Bragg over there. Look at it. They, they, somebody should make AI art of him e- uh, eating himself into a food coma with all of his comfort eating. That I'm sure he's going to. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine all, all the fast food joints in New York City. Better watch out tonight. Better watch out. He's going to go on a tear. The big question now, Amuse continues, is whether he'll cave to the pressure from his constituents to arrest Trump, ending his legal career, or listening. Listen to the DNC's warning that indicting Trump would be an unforced error. Yeah, because they still have other things brewing in places like Georgia. This is just so ridiculous. You can you can tell it's a, it has to be pride. It has to be, I don't know, that New York wants to be the one that did it. The return of Michael Cohen, a disbarred attorney, takes center stage in a dubious prosecution. That was a lot of the, I guess that is... A lot of what we, uh, what I was mentioning yesterday, if you had remembered any of the, any of the the hearings that Michael Cohen was answering questions in, tripping himself up, complete doofus. It's incredible that he was a lawyer. What a doofus he is. Democrats' banana republic persecution of Donald Trump must meet a Republican response. This is the equivalent of a nationally televised jaywalking arrest to humiliate a person due solely to personal hate. No doubt about it. And now confirmed six hours ago on the same thread, Bragg canceled the grand jury proceeding for today after a disastrous hearing where it was learned he had hidden hundreds of pages of evidence clearing Trump. Bragg asked jurors to be stand uh, to be standby for tomorrow, suggesting he might go ahead and ask. Uh, he might wait, wait, wait. He might go ahead and ask. And where's the rest of the? Uh, anyway, I don't know. I don't have time to read that right now. But the answer is to be standby for tomorrow. He might suggest he might go ahead and ask them to do something. Oh, sure, more. Ask them to indict Trump tomorrow. So we'll see. Is he going to push through with this? It's no wonder. Uh, it's no wonder why Donald Trump wanted a complete camera crew with him he wanted everything recorded and he wanted to be able to be handcuffed it's no wonder no wonder whatsoever um because if this does go to court it doesn't seem like it like it's going to have legs so um there's that in the in the second half of the show i'll play a little bit from what's his name costello as he spoke to Tucker Carlson the other night, and uh, and, and we'll and we'll see what you guys think. And honestly, after this, uh, it, it's really just going to be about uh, if he was arrested, if he was indicted. We'll talk about it. If not, then to hell with this story because I can't. And then you have DeSantis, who brands Putin a war criminal. So there you go. There's a, there's another reason to be excited to keep Ron DeSantis in the state of Florida because he says that uh, Putin should be held accountable for the Ukraine invasion. 
So we got a blue and honor in Ron DeSantis as far as a potential spark plug for World War Three goes. So um, things like that really make you scratch your head. At least for me, it does. In Uganda, lawmakers passed a law that criminalizes identifying as LGBTQ. As LGBTQ. We're going to reinforce the law and reinforce the law enforcement officers to make sure that homosexuals have no place in Uganda. Take a listen to this. In our country, we will have our morals, we will protect our children, and we are making this law, we are making this law for ourselves, we are making this law for our children, we are making this law for the children of our children. This country will stand firm. And once it passed, I can tell you, Madam Speaker, we are going to reinforce the law enforcement officers to make sure that homosexuals have no space in Uganda. So, I mean, that's uh, that's going pretty hard. That's going balls to the wall. Now, now let, let's, this is, this brings up a very delicate conversation here because it wasn't even just criminalizing, identifying as LGBT. It would, uh, some, I think some of these, uh, some action or some crimes newly minted crimes out there actually carry the penalty of death. And this is where I this is where I think there is a, a big conversation because as I said on either Monday night, I think it was Monday night when we brought up uh, Richard Levine, I wonder where's that watershed moment? It's no doubt at this point over here in the United States that there was an agenda by state slash corporate slash world agenda making uh entities all right by big big entities they had they had this lined up they know that it was going to be a debilitating thing as time went on socially debilitating uh biologically debilitating for especially now we see all these kids that don't know what what uh what gender they are and and they're they're seeking doctors for surgery and drugs and all that shit said, what was the watershed moment? What is the happy medium be, be, between just, you know, going on with your lives, having friends, family, neighbors who happen to be gay and don't make any big uh, big uh, deals about it and are not throwing anything in your face and are not doing anything like that. They're, they're not interested in, in, in uh, indoctrinating uh, new generations of gay people. They just want to be left alone. And enjoy life like everybody else, and it's not a and it's not a uh, I don't know it, it's it's not a mission that they carry on their shoulders when they wake up in the morning. What is the the happy medium here? You know where was the end? Where was the end of okay? This is good enough. Uganda is going the other way where we're talking about death penalties. I don't know. Maybe we can talk about this with anomaly. As he's coming on the air right now, I know that he I know that he had had noticed it at some point over the last couple of hours too. What's going on, Anomaly? How you feeling? 
Hello? You hear me? He sees me, I think. Peace. We see each other, but his uh, microphone's not up yet. Do I have him? Yeah, I, ha I have him unmuted. He's talking. The lips are moving. Hold on a second. Do you hear me? No, he doesn't hear me. All right, well, uh, check out the, uh, the, hold on. Maybe call back. Try that. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna try that. Though he is here. All right, so just give me a moment. You know how these things go from time to time. We'll get some get some other things rolling here. Hold on a second. I can see you fine, just can't hear you. Try calling. Sometimes calling back jogs it loose. Very weird, all these programs. It's the Chinese, you know, as they say, about everything else, too. It's either you're going to deal with uh, Microsoft, with, with Skype. That's, that's who's got that right. Or Zoom and the Chinese. You, they, just don't, they just don't make video technology the way they, do, they used to anymore. So let's see. If this doesn't work, then perhaps we can get AI anomaly to call in. Simulating everything else these days. Here we go. Let's see if this works. Hello, hello. Everything's working. Everything's uh Yeah, I'm good now. I can hear you. Perfect. There you are, I hear you too. I'm telling you, sometimes with Zoom it's just a it's a weird callback situation and it, and it just clicks back in. I don't know what it is, but welcome, man. How how you been? Everything's good. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, it's, it's good to have you on. I mean, and there's so much to talk about tonight. But I want to get into, I just want to get into a lot of things that are that have to do with the culture. Culture, I want to talk about music with you a little bit tonight. We haven't done that before. But first, just some headlines. Um, what are your, what's your, what's your, uh, your thoughts, not only on protests around the world, I know you have to have noticed what's going on in places like France, but also in places like Uganda. Um, before you got on, I was listening to a um this this ugandan parliament that was talking about these anti-lgbt laws some of the penalties carry a penalty of death and i i always wondered because as we look at transgender it mania in this country right now the 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 way that our minds are being just completely turned to mush with political correctness and everything else i always wonder where along the way was the line that was crossed that should have never been crossed like what went too far obviously uganda's they're talking about death penalties i don't think anybody over here in the united states wants to put gay people to death especially those who have nothing to do with this corporate scourge that is taking over media and everything else um but where, where do you think what do you think you can you can pull away from something like that well, it's been so long. I know when I I grew up, I never witnessed a lot of this stuff. But if you go through the history of two things, like le uh, marriage, you know, normal marriage and um, like LGBT stuff, 
things that seem like the Stone Age weren't that long ago. I talked to somebody who was 80, and he said in Europe when he used to travel, if he couldn't prove that that was his wife, like if it was just his girlfriend, they wouldn't let him stay at hotels. It was illegal to, just like it is in Saudi Arabia. They, they're trying to change the law, I believe, for Cristiano Ronaldo because he makes so much money and he has a girlfriend. And they're thinking about changing the law. But laws like that where you just can't even go to a hotel without being married. And then also LGBT was not open. You know, it was not so open and amazing. I don't know that they were really hunting people down or anything, but it was just a societal difference. So even in the Western world, that was the thing within the last 100 years. So Uganda's going the other direction as opposed to America, where I, I have actually something from a college that somebody sent me today and i mean i might as well just read part of it it's pretty creepy i'll i'll just read it yeah it says uh it's for people in fitness and exercise this is america professionals in exercise sports and education must also quell the common fear that transgender male to female students will have strength and other advantages if they play on women's teams research experts say otherwise so they're teaching kids in school in America that, you know, it's just the experts have already settled that there's no difference in sports and quell the fear that you hear. So it's the, like we're the other pendulum side of Uganda, um, you know. So, yeah, I think that for sure the slippery slope started. Uh, I guess it depends who you talk to, what was too far. But, you know, I think America has a long way to go before we get back to whatever normal is but that's the whole that's the whole issue there I, if we start if we start playing a pendulum game with anything it swings back very very hard and uh, people who had nothing to do with what is obviously a, a big horrible trick that's being played on humanity to to keep the, to keep us mired in internal crisis is uh that they're they're going to be paying the price and that's why I wonder what at what point is Uganda try, what is Uganda trying to prevent? They definitely see what's happening over here. They see suicide rates, that, and I'm not even talking about transgender and, and gender identity, anything. They're, I'm sure that the rest of the world that is not westernized is looking at us with all of our gadgetry and all of our capital and everything that we have, all of the, the, the comfort and the creature comforts that we have over here that we boast about all the time, but we also have suicide and depression, and we're swallowing up all the world's pharmaceuticals for everything, not just you know mood-altering medicines and stuff. I can't imagine what any kind of uh, what we call developing country that looks to us and our condition says, where do we prevent ourselves from being like that, and how extreme do we go with the prevention? Yeah, I think the thing that really set them off, if I could guess, I don't live in Uganda, so I obviously don't know for sure, but would be the children's stuff. And that's obviously what has triggered a lot of people like Matt Walsh into making documentaries, DeSantis into passing legislation, other Republicans as well. Uh, I think it's that because even he was talking about this is for our children and there's extra penalties if people are doing it to minors. They've already thrown someone in prison for what they would call, I think, like bringing sodomy to a kid. And this is where I highly... I obviously disagree with the left and I think they're being foolish and naive. First of all, if you're part of the rainbow group, uh, you know, a normal person that's just LGBTQ or whatever, and uh, or you're one of these like hysterical left-wing screaming people that you hate America so much, it's so bad. It's one of the best places for you to be gay. I don't understand like what you think the rest of the world will treat you like Saudi Arabia and Uganda, but they should be way more grateful to be here, especially now. Secondly, you know, the kid stuff is too far when you're seven years old, nine years old, eight years old, 
I mean, I understand what they're thinking. I get it. It's like, why does it matter? But I, I do agree it does matter. And when a kid is so impressionable, uh, I don't think you should be trying to, like, force homosexuality or the LGBTQ agenda on them. And I, I think that's what Uganda probably looked at, where it's like, all right, we're going to prevent however this got here, we're going to go the exact other way. But I can't speak for them. And honestly, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. Yeah, I know it's it's a it's a very sensitive one, but it it cer- certainly is um, it certainly is prescient if you ask me, and uh, maybe we'll get around to that at some point. And it's becoming more irrelevant. And I I want to ask this because I just noticed this a, a little while ago, and I had not been able to watch it, but I saw that you had an interview with James O'Keefe recently. You posted a few days ago. What? You know, for those of us who haven't seen it yet and, and intend to, what were your big takeaways from that conversation? That must have been good. Yeah, it was definitely interesting. I hit him up, and it happened to be St. Paddy's Day, and he's Irish, so it was a nice little uh, St. Paddy's Day present to talk to him because he was like, hey, if you could do it quickly, I could do it, like, right now. And I was like, sure, I've, I got you. Um, yeah, I, I tried to get into what happened. Obviously, it seems like he wasn't thinking about the board you know, it's just like they would never fire me. Well, how how could they fire me? I made it. I'm I'm the face of it. And I guess they just did. They had the power to do it. So I guess his new company, one of my takeaways is there is no board. You know, he figured that out. Um, he wants to basically give a bunch of people cameras and have them do journalism. Like, I guess it would be decentralized. So he wants to give out a bunch of cameras and basically do it that way, which is pretty bold. And that's why I asked questions or I tried to, of where's the line of privacy and journalism? Because obviously we want to blow the whistle on evil people at Pfizer who are lying. But if you give thousands of people cameras, you know, like you got a bunch of journalists running around filming stuff. I asked them, where do you, where do you personally draw the line between privacy and journalism and he had a good answer basically you know so yeah it was it was good talk pretty brief and he loves to dance and music as well like talking about culture he's definitely one of those type of guys he likes to have fun and likes to think long term how how to shift i heard i heard that he has a big theater background that's the kind of the kind of a a background that that me and my family have too and when when i saw him performing i don't know he did he was doing shakespeare or something somewhere i said what the hell I said oh he's got, he's got that running through his veins all right i get you right. yeah well you know i don't know if this is an inside joke or anything anomaly but i had somebody send me an email and they they wanted me to ask you what your views are uh about shopping naked at target is that an inside joke or <laughs> Not that I know of. Okay. No, I'm like I'm trying to think. Like, have I gotten so drunk I've shopped <laughs> naked at Target? I don't think so. Maybe there's someone who looks like me that went in a viral video naked at Target. Um, you know, sometimes people send me videos of funny, like weird dudes, and it like kind of looks like me. So, yeah, I don't know what that is, but uh, it's got me questioning myself, honestly. I've had a couple people say after you came on the last time that that we looked like cousins. So there's there, <laughs> there was that. But you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna shop anywhere naked. Target may be a place where you you could possibly get away with it, at least for a little while. You can get lost in those place, places pretty good. But, um, yeah, I didn't know if that was an inside joke. <laughs> no, I don't know. Not that I'm aware. It's so inside that it's only inside this guy's head. So yeah. I'm sure he loved the fact that it got red. So. <laughs> no Congrats. doubt. I said, you know what, This is this is is I'm going to take this one. All right. So, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of other stuff going on right now. I was speaking with an astrologer friend of mine last night. I love doing all of the, the astro charts and stuff when we start going into big times, uh, either, either, either in lulls when things seem to be just – 
calm, like we're we're just sitting in the, in the doldrums over here, or right now where we have banking collapses uh, going on, we uh, we we have a central bank that is trying to prop them all up, that is that is openly admitting that um, that what they are doing is they are they're in. They're, they're almost going to go over the top and ensuring that people who bring all of their big accounts out of small banks and put them into big banks, uh, they're going to be 100% insured over there. So uh, everything that they're doing right now to respond to a crisis that, of course, they are a major part in, and they just said that they're going to raise the interest rates again by another quarter point. The interest rate, uh, rate uh, raise that they had before is what triggered the whole bond thing that was going on with SVB not too long ago. And here we have this merging of banks, the the cutting away of any kind of security for people working with smaller banks again. And that is nothing compared to what's going on in Ukraine, to what's going on with all of this uh, this stuff with the, the courts in New York and Trump and DeSantis and all that. What has been the big thing that you, have you been tying it all together? Have you been concentrating on one over the other? What's it been like? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, obviously, there's the Epstein list that never has been talked about. There's the bipartisan COVID corruption. There's all that stuff that's not been talked about, how they tried to mandate us, and they still are mandating us, the banks. You know, I'll say this on the bank thing, because when you're saying it, I thought of it. When the COVID thing came and they decided 15 days to slow the spread, most governments around the world decided, okay, we're going to shut down most industries for weeks. They ended up doing it months. They kind of got power drunk. And then they just started printing money like psychopaths. So I don't know Janet Yellen and all these people that said, oh, inflation's not going to come. And, you know, there's no way. Like, are they stupid or are they lying? And did they did they purposely implode the banks? Because when you print money, you're going to have to lose something. So all these interest rates, they're trying to make up for all the money they printed. So it's like, did was Big Pharma so corrupt that they were able to crash, you know, the economy and for their own benefit? Was this, you know... Did they purposely do this to purposely crash the banks? Are they really that stupid? It's hard to keep up with these these dumbos. But, uh, yeah, it's like how did they not know interest rates were going to go like this if they printed all the money? And then they never stopped. Like they could at any point they could have just stopped and tried to ease back. So they and they just never did until like recently, maybe. And they'll probably print more money, send it to Ukraine, foreign countries. So I don't I don't know what's going on. You know, you just said, uh, are they are they stupid or are they just lying? Well, wh- when you have someone like the the press secretary come out uh, the other, I think it was like yesterday, and actually had the nerve of saying that the banking system here in the U.S. is solid and it's fine and everything is safe and sound. That's what it's, safe and sound is the is the the phrase that Janet Yellen used not too long ago as well. And I'm saying to myself, it's. Well, no, we, we have gone beyond stupidity, uh, yet maybe some of these people are just reading a script that's given to them, but those who are writing the script, it is 100% malice, because to say that there's anything, there's anything about this banking system that isn't a lie, when you think about the money, it's all based on itself. Oh, at this point, man, I mean, that's just, um, then again, we, we know what is waiting behind it. And that is those uh, those digital dollars. We know what's waiting behind it all, so it's got to be just just part of the transition. Now, when it comes to um, Trump and DeSantis, what are you seeing with all? Because I, I know that you're, uh, you're you're pretty you're pretty hard on everybody, from what I have noticed in the past. And I don't know what really you've been taking on this, especially since there's just so much 
so much overreach and so much overextension of the the political capital that the DA's office in, in New York um, has over here. It's obvious that they are just so hungry that they're willing to do anything. So there is that. But as far as the the collateral damage that has been sparked among the the Trump and the DeSantis crowd, how are you seeing that? Yeah, I'm, pers- personally, I'm not trying to engage in because I know. Obviously, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but it's getting super ugly. And I think it's getting ugly for two reasons. I think, you know, Trump is getting ugly with it. Like, he's trying to Stormy Daniels and Brett Kavanaugh DeSantis. You know, he's bringing up his uh, whatever that picture was with the girls. He's saying he's saying a man, like, you know, suggesting DeSantis might be gay. So I think Trump's the leader. And when Trump starts to get dirty, a lot of influencers start getting dirty. Uh, you know, and a lot of people are kind of going nuts over it. I think the DA is obviously, I mean, just look at New York City. It's corrupt. Their priorities are screwed up. They're so desperate to go after Trump. But I don't think it hurts Trump in any way. I think it only helped him. I think it helped him versus DeSantis. I think it helped him fundraise. And now they're saying, even Trump on True Social, hinting that it might not even happen. So, you know, whether they do or not, I, I don't see this hurting him in any way. I only see it helping him, which is the question again. Our demo, like the first time I remember in the emails, the you know the emails that you're not supposed to read without Chris Cuomo. <laughs> they did the Pod Piper strategy because they they thought it would be easier if they elevated Trump, Cruz, and Carson at, to beat them, and then obviously it backfired. So that's what I'm wondering in general. Like, are they really dumb, or are they evil and trying to, you know, waste people's time and also potentially, like they had they had to know that this was going to almost help them, but. Yeah, I, I would say that's where I'm at with that. It's a distraction. It's an overreach, but I don't think it hurts them. With the DeSantis thing, the only thing that I see that I'm concerned about is I see Trump doing to DeSantis what the media did to him, which is basically try to use scandals to get him out of the way. I would like to see them battle each other, but then each get better. And I think Trump is a little petty. I don't think he cares about central bank digital currencies like DeSantis just passed. And I think he's kind of turning it into a mud show. And I think people like that, but I don't. I don't think it's very genuine, in my opinion. I think, uh, you know, beat DeSantis all you want, but his tactics so far, in my opinion, have been a little low and suspect. Yeah, well, I mean, where I stand, there's where I come from on all this is I I really do believe for some time now that there's no fix for Washington. There's there's only different levels of a very over, I I mean, a... I, how should I say, a uh, asymmetrical warfare is pretty much what it is right now on every level, on the culture level, psychological. I mean, we're talking about f- full spectrum. And I don't really have any uh, hope for D.C. being reborn or anything or of people who, you know, but of the people who can win. I look at Trump, I say he's the only one who poses any sort of threat to this, any sort of threat to the status quo big enough to invoke such a self-defeating authoritarian reaction from the bureaucracy that we've seen in the last six years or so. Obviously, all everybody up there is imperfect. You can't even reach that kind of level of, of uh, national recognition without having played some part uh, in, in, uh, in, in the big picture to have that to have that media uh, swagger under your belt, but I'd rather have the chaos than a sleepy slavery at this point. But though, but though you're right, it's getting very ugly. And and here's what I wanted to, to bring up to you next, because I know you're a man of faith. Um, last night I was speaking with my guest, and he predicted that we were going to be going, uh, we were going to experience in the coming years 
and not far down the road either, a major religious renaissance. And he posited that it were things that were going to become troubling, things were going to become so troubling that millions would rush back in full retreat, searching furiously for God again. Um, what are your thoughts on all that? As just you know, as, as someone who is you know talks a lot about his faith, but is also uh, very artistic, and I'm sure that you you uh, you know you, you use a lot of your observations in your work. I think it's already happening. I think millions of people are returning to faith and discipline. They're starting to see the pros of being a disciplined, um, you know, God-believing person. Whereas it seemed maybe crazy to a lot of people five, ten years ago. As the left gets more evil, as the media gets more evil, as the music industry gets like more demonic and in your face, I think it's already happening. Like people are flying back to religion, and uh, I think that's a good thing. Honestly, I, I wouldn't have thought that way when I was younger, but I didn't know what I know now. With that being said, also, I think politics is interesting because in politics, and this is an issue in my view on both sides, is people, you know, want to put godlike faith into politics. So if you tell them, like, if you point out, say, like a journalistic thing, like, hey, that person took $100 million and kind of got lobbied and sold out, they, they freak out because it's like this hero villain fake story in their head where like Trump's the villain and he needs to be arrested or he's never done anything and he's going to save us. So I, I think a lot of people are coming back to religion and as politicians disappoint and, and kind of come up short, more and more people will, will, will come back and just go into that fully as opposed to, you know, have that type of faith over, you know, political characters. Uh, so I, I see it happening already and, you know, it's great. Uh, yeah, and I think that's the reason why so many people have already doubled down on what they can do locally. It's a big, it's a big theme on, on my show over here because I think anybody who does straight news coverage or anything like that, and uh, after a while, you know, you're reporting on so many, so many fires all over the place and so many bad, bad things that eventually somebody's going to say, okay, but what are the solutions? Well, uh, the solutions are what can we generate outside of the system, a system that obviously hates us, that has taught us to have no faith in anything but it, even though the the returns are dim, are diminishing every every go around, and and I think that this is really is what going to be the driver of it all because what really keeps a community better than faith in something in family in in God in in uh, even your local customs just anything that ties somebody together and they feel a human connection there is an energy there that it, you can't get in opening up the mail and seeing that your government check came in. There's an energy there. Even if you're re receiving charity, to be able to know who gave it to you and to be grateful to them, there's an energy there. And I think that uh, really getting getting back to that 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 foundational relationship with each other is going to be the um, the, the start of a, a lot of things, uh, especially of our cutting DC out of our lives, not expecting it to change. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a rough task at this point. You know, they have a lot of power control, but I think if people believe in God and also have self accountability and self awareness to kind of weave through the traps, then I think progress can be made. But it's it's interesting, man, because I think as much progress has been made, I also see there's certain traps that just seem like are very easy to get people tricked in. But I think it comes back to that really is. If you have faith in God and you have faith in yourself and you're not putting, you know, too much like for, for an example, to make one that's easier, that's probably less offensive to people. 
Like left wingers live vicariously through this idea that they hate Republicans. Like they think hating Republicans is going to make them happy, but really it's like a deflection of their own life. A lot of times they just don't want to grab life by the horns or tell the truth about certain topics that are rough. So they live this video game lifestyle, just like waiting for Republicans to like lose. And but then you look at their cities, it's like, wake up, people, New York City, Seattle, Los Angeles, San Francisco, they're all going down the drain like. CNN, I, I don't know if you saw that, but there was a CNN reporter who was there with armed security and the armed security couldn't even stop the robber and they broke and stole all their stuff. And yeah. she was like, this is not the first time it's happened. Even armed security doesn't make you safe. Well, then at what point, lady, do you stop working for a media company that promotes Democrats who can't run cities properly? Like, you know, so and on the other side, I think people see so much evil that a lot of people are putting their Christ-like faith into a politician and at least in my, my view, if I report on certain things that, you know, I believe they're kind of in on or, or perhaps they fell short, people don't want to hear it because instead of kind of grabbing life by the horns, they want to live vicariously through the idea that someone else is going to drain the swamp or, or fix things for them. And, you know, oh, time will tell all, but I, I do believe that everyone plays a part. And, you know, in my view, falling in love with the politician is kind of like falling in love with the stripper and the car salesman. You know, they like you. For what they need you for but it's not always a mutual uh love affair <laughs> no it's, it's true it's true and talk about diminishing returns but i uh you know i was just speaking with somebody before uh, i went live tonight a friend of mine because i'm putting together a couple of other topics for upcoming episodes over here and one of them was based on a tweet that i saw from you you follow the martyr made the martyr made account yeah, definitely. That oh. guy says some bold stuff. Yeah, he, it's it's a great account. I I love the stuff that he writes, and uh, so. But he wrote, he tweeted something today, and he asked he asked when did the right wing become something like uh, either cynical and full of rage or anything like that? When did it happen? And I, I know exactly what he's talking about. I I know that, uh, it, but and and I'm trying to put this into into better words here. Because when I was looking into the comments, there were, were people that were saying, well, listen, it, it depends on what kind of circles you're in. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're, me and my friends are still, you know, we're still memeing and we're still having a good time. We're still making fun of every sacred cow that you can have out there. And we're keeping things light and easy. But at the same time, I see that there is a fuse that is getting shorter and shorter with people. Uh, they're so snappy with each other, uh, I, I, and I'm mostly on the right. People who are supposed to be on on the on the opposite side of leftists, and I see that, and I start saying to myself, "Okay, well, I'm not going to broad stroke things. So what is it? Because yeah, there are those stable people in on the on the inside, but there is definitely a uh, a frustration that is brewing, and I really do believe." That whereas there is a, there's no doubt about that there's the general population has taken a pretty dark turn and everyone's kind of frustrated. But the people who are still having a good time right now, they're the ones, I believe, who have been around for years and years and years already. They have seen all this stuff. They have been able to really uh, 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 they've been able to really process what is stacked against us and, and really how bad it is. The ones who are having the most mood swings right now. <laughs> at the moment are i believe newly initiated generation x boomers other various newbie groups people who are really who have been newly initiated over the last 
four or five years where they see the reaction to Trump. They start realizing that the FBI is not their friend. They start realizing how bills are, you know, what money is all about, where it's all going, how bad the borders are, what a proxy war is. They're realizing right now. And whereas they're starting to understand the truth of the matter, they haven't learned how to lose yet because there's been so many years prior to the arrival of a lightning rod like Trump that people believed we were winning when we were actually losing. They never knew. And I think that that's a big part as to why the frustration is so so heavy right now because we haven't a lot of people haven't learned how to lose yet. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that's part of it too because when you hop into something and it's like brand new um, and, and then things don't go the way you want them to go, it's easy to get upset if you're one of these people that's been following politics for 20 years. You say both parties are a lie. You've been into conspiracies, perhaps. Maybe maybe you're more used to like, oh, this is just how it goes. You know, left or right, they, they screw you over. I also think it's what type of person you are. Like, you seem like a chill guy, and we've never met in person, but I feel like we'd get along. Um, there's some people in this game, left wing or right wing you know at the end of the day when the lights go off when the camera closes like you're you you're you at your barista or wherever you are you know and i think some people just because they're right wing i'm not going to just be like oh you're not a good person but i think a lot of people are a little like psychotic so it's like they kind of mask their internal issues behind political activism and it's like you know being a cat lady with fifty thousand cats and eating ice cream every day hating donald trump doesn't make you a good person just because you hate Donald Trump and liking him doesn't mean you're stable. You know, you're as stable as you are. I can't tell people who your life is, but a lot of people, instead of doing the inner work, I think they cling to a political team and then they go crazy. And, you know, I do see that on the right now as a, you know, I don't mind a good battle. Like you said, I don't mind a good, like, you know, which side do you like? But I, I think a lot of people are actually psychotic and, uh, have like some inner demons that instead of solving them they're just like lashing out at other people all the time and you know this is my at least thought between trump and desantis it's gonna get ugly and it's gonna get as ugly as trump wants to make it you know because he's uh facing opposition but as far as the support base i don't think people should be treating other voters the way that democrats treated them like when you treated when you voted for bernie sanders or trump probably trump but you saw how people treated you that's like oh you're russian you're a piece of garbage like i see a lot of people treating people who prefer desantis a little bit for for valid reasons in my view like that because trump is that type of leader and that's where i'm wondering like not to dive back into that but it's like even with the protest 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 let's take our nation back when you know you have tens of millions of followers you have a certain responsibility at least in your head to be like well, where are they going to protest? Well, what's your, you know, last time it ended up being a setup. So don't, don't you want to like warn people or, or have like a strategy? And that's where I'm wondering, like, what, what is the strategy? So I think when the lead, like when Trump was really crushing for the first three to four years, I think there was a lot of unity behind him. The other side hated us, but didn't matter. Everybody was kind of together. In my view, when Trump kind of started selling the vaccine and just kind of, in my view, lost his mojo for a little while, it splintered a little bit and I feel like it's never been the same. So, you know, I think, you know, people are responsible for themselves. Not everybody's a great person just because they're right wing. And there's, there's not this like unity like we had in 2019 because there is a, a fracture of like people, you know, like it, it's not like Michael Jordan in the prime, like, yeah, he's the best. Everyone's like, well, you know, it's, it, there's definitely some, di but I, I just say, regardless of how you feel, debate have conversations but don't act psychotic towards other republican voters or or anyone just because they have a disagreement that's not a it's not a long-term strategy in my view 
Um, as a as a bigger as a bigger theme there that you had touched on with something where you you talked about the after it's it's just like me for everything you just said right there the thing that I focused in on the most was the fifty cats and the ice cream, and <laughs> and you know I'm thinking about that and, and I think you as as a musician both of us as musicians um, this is really what comes through to me the most I'm I always think about repression, and I I and I think between censorship and socio-political shock trauma through things like lockdowns, through identity politics, through the, the, you know, the, the stifling of thought, especially controversial thought, through things like political correctness. I mean, political correctness kills even mundane conversations, not anything that, that really even pushes the boundary on things in society. That kind of, a, that kind of an environment to live in it represses everything in humanity that's necessary for healthy development. And, um, and when, so when I think about the, 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 the person living with the 50 cats and a gallon of ice cream, I really think about the pressure cooker that is, I believe, a really about to explode in this country. And when it does, it's not going to be all negative. That's, that's the whole thing there. When it does explode, and, and we're seeing the cracks and the faults the, uh, really starting to, 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 to jog to life here, but when it does explode, it's going to be a mix of religious rebirth, like we said before, people who just want to hit reset on everything, and perhaps with all the ugliness they're seeing, this is proof positive that there is a devil, and, that the, and contrary to that devil, there is a God, the creator. And then there's the artistic expression that has been completely stifled and and uh, and beaten down by this horrible, horrible uh, radio music slash uh, movie industry that has only given people a very myopic view of what a hero is and what a villain is and uh, and what is nobility. That I mean, the whole moral code of the current entertainment industry is so sapping. It takes all of the joy out of life. I know that there's going to be an artistic expression explosion, and it's happening in, in many places right now. And then mixed into that, I believe, is going to be state violence and economic turmoil because the state, they, they can't lose control, and they're not going to be able to maintain control, not, not through the old propaganda, uh, propaganda uh, 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 modalities it's going to have to be something different. So I think that that's what this is all moving toward, a little bit of everything. And um, oh, your thoughts on that before I ask you about your music. Yeah, I think that's part of it. And I'm, a, I'm, I'm grateful and appreciative to be where I'm at. There's a lot of amazing things about this time period uh, that I want to just preface with that because I'm about to sound like I'm going to complain. But I'm not a complainer. I'm grateful. But there's a lot of ancient wisdom that everybody's leaning away from, which is what you were touching on, where it's like, you know, a lot of people are on pharmacy pills. A lot of people are less happy than they were. Social media, technology, you know, people aren't married as much as they were. People are away from them, their family, including me, because you go out, you you work, and you know, like the, the grid, you have more uh, connection to airplanes and trains and you could travel way easier so people are splitting up then you have feminism which is not just teaching left-wingers that they don't need a man but also i believe a lot of conservatives the power dynamic of the man and the woman are messed up so even though they're conservative on paper the woman doesn't respect her husband yes. she ends up being yes. you know like rebelling against him because she doesn't actually respect him as a man because she's the wearing the pants in the relationship and you combine all these things right combined with the food that they're feeding us etc it's hard to be perfectly happy when you're living in a crazy time like that. And I think, uh, 
you know, the art will uh, bounce back for sure. But I, I do think that's why a lot of people are unhappy, too, because they are literally unhappy because they don't have a husband. They don't have a wife. They're not working out. They, they're on pills. They're watching TV. They're freaking out at Twitter. And whether you're left wing or right wing, I, I like Twitter for the tool it is. Twitter makes me unhappy. I'm, I'm self-aware that out of every platform, I, when I argue with people on Twitter, it annoys the crap out of me. And it's like, it's just not a natural occurrence in reality. We're all staring at little rectangle LED lights and it's like, it's driving everyone crazy, I think. You know what, the night that, the, oh my gosh. I am building a lot of notes for the night that I'm going to be doing. I saw a tweet maybe about a week ago now that said, does the right wing have a good message for women? And that wasn't the, I, I don't, that's not the question I think I wanted to, I, I said there's something else in here. And I started digging into what is it about that dynamic, that natural dynamic between men and women that is, you know, it's a lot more askew on the left because, of course, that is a very deconstructionist worldview where they want to be able to strip anything natural away and, and implant very unnatural barriers and, and uh, you know, uh, equity tools and all that stuff. But uh, it, it has not. Feminism and liberation theology has not left conservatism unscathed. And and uh, the night that I do that, and we, we take a, we're going to take a lot of calls that night. I got to let you know because if you happen to be around, you should definitely call in and just drop some thoughts because um, there's there's a lot to unpack there, and that's going to be a fiery one, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, music. Let me ask you this before we start wrapping up. There's a lot brewing out there right now. Um, my question is, where are the crowds? What are you doing? Are you are you recording when you when you're recording and producing your stuff? Where do you take it from there? Do you even plan tours anymore? Do you do appearances? Is it local? Are you just all streaming now, all digital? Uh, what is it? Because I have seen local shows around here are now are just dead. I'm sure I can find plenty of places to play in the city, but as far as the roving crowds of people looking for live bands on the weekend, things like that, it's been gone for a long time, and the lockdowns really took the life out of it. But I know even established touring acts... Uh, bands that I love that used to spend, you know, 10 months out of the year on the road, they literally cannot afford to be on the road anymore. And a lot of it has to do with the post lockdown um, insurance world and how people are asking for more money on the road. Venues are trying to re recoup so much losses there. Uh, how do you see the entire music scene? How are you navigating it? Let me know a little bit about that. Yeah, so digitally is really where I release stuff just because it's easy, it's quick, it gets out there, um, and, you know, just getting streams. People use Spotify a lot. I do do shows, but even before the lockdown, basically I connected with the band Trapped, who have the song Headstrong, mm -hmm. um, and they we did a song together, and it did <clears throat> really well for them, I think, uh, and, and myself, obviously. It has, like, three to five million streams now, and when they did shows, because they do, like, festivals, thousands of people, they would be like, come come out here. Come. I did Sturgis. I did House of Blues in uh, San Diego. I was kind of going with them, but I wasn't on tour with them. They were on tour, but, you know, I do the Internet thing, so I was like, like I don't have time for a full tour. I'll just pop up and do the shows then. So it was nice. It was like I didn't have to because also the touring life, like every time I go to their show, they're on a bus. It's tough. I mean, you do the show. It's it's fun. 
Um, but then you got to go to the next place and you're driving all over the country. So I kind of like popping in, doing my thing, yep. getting in front of big crowds and then and then getting out. So I was working like that. And then the lockdown, you know, really just I didn't have to think about live shows except for I did Sturgis in 2020 when everything was locked down. And that was the only place open with the motorcycle festival. I, I performed there. It was me with Trapped and then uh, Smash Mouth is pretty funny and huge crowd and that was just an iconic performance because everything was locked down except for that and to be there was a special special moment in 2020 uh so i'm kind of on that tip still where i do my, my own management everything if someone comes along and says hey we could possibly book these or these i'd look into it same with speaking gigs i'm just so busy i'm turning a million directions so i haven't been looking at it but I will say, you know, I'm, I'm releasing music. I have a song with uh, Brandon Benson coming out from the Rockin' Tours. Mm -hmm. uh, he's in the Rockin' Tours with Jack White. Uh, the guy who did Jesus Christ, like the guy who danced, I don't know, went viral. Uh, I have a song with him. So I'm doing a lot of stuff. And I want to say on the culture front, you know, I just want to plug Bryson real quick because he just dropped a song called Homemakers. And it's going crazy viral on social media because it's a bangers, banger for like homemaker women. And I'm like, man, that was a smart uh, concept because, you know, it's basically making it cool to be a stay-at-home mom. And I think that's the type of stuff that really right-wingers haven't been able to figure out for the longest time is how to make something cool that really can go viral or how to make something cool for, like, you know, make it cool to stay home with your kids, make it cool to homeschool because they're propagandizing it. So I, I think people chase politics a lot, but as you know, culture, education, I would even be open to someone making a whole new school. It would just have to be very well done and it's not easy, but you know, everyone's like, oh, they're propagandizing our kids. Then why, why are people sending them there? You yeah. know, cause it's easy. So yeah, I mean, things have been, things have been okay on my end. I'm lucky because of the internet, but I feel the recession right now. I'm not going to lie. And I think everybody does. So, you know, so, something's going on and nobody has as much money as they did two years ago. So everybody's a little tight and everything's a little slower for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you can, you can tell, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there are places around this country who are still rocking and rolling. Um, but like I said, there has been a contraction, not an expansion. And I think that uh, two and a half years of people just saying, I'm going to stay in this weekend has definitely continued in a lar in a large way and it has to be tough for performers because as you know uh making a song recording a song getting it out there having people enjoy it it is a big part of the process but there is nothing like performing it there's nothing like that exchange of energy between a crowd and a stage and members of a band on a stage and and uh and i i hope that i hope that things just you know jog loose Perhaps we get to share the stage one day. If you're ever in New York or in the in the area, you got to come by here and we got to jam out. That would be awesome. And I was just thinking that in my head too, because because a lot of stuff is so new and it's so anti-mainstream. We don't have the same business structure that they do, but we do have the same reach and audience. So you know, I even look into like live shows where I'm just speaking or hosting debates or something. Because I feel like I could sell hundreds or thousands of tickets. The problem is when you work for Nike or whatever, Coca-Cola or one of these companies, they have a whole team behind you. Even if you look at Coachella, the top like six names are big. No one's ever heard of the bottom 40 names. How did they get there? They're probably just industry plants, you know, that work for the label and they're throwing them on the stage at a bad time. So, you know, this is just some motivation. If anybody's ever like, yo, I like what these people are doing, conservatives, truthers, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, there, there's a, a desperate need for business people like touring managers 
messengers, people that can kind of connect dots, because I, I, I do believe that there could be a lot more conferences, a lot more shows, you know, uh, a lot more people on stage for multiple reasons. It's just the reason you don't see it more, only two PSA, they have the money, they have the backing. You know, they're the only ones who do it uh, on the right, really. Um, it's because we're so counter culture that, you know, it's possible. It's just not easy. And, and uh, a lot, everybody wants to be an influencer, but something to think about for people because I think there's a lot of opportunity out there for us to share a stage one day, and that would be dope. Yeah, we got we 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 got to put together. I've been talking about this for a long time. It's called it was called uh, the working title was Frankly Fest. We've got mm -hmm. to find a way to put together a big rock festival festival, like a testicle, a festival, <laughs> a rock festival in the middle of the country somewhere, right there in a in a just a huge field and just I don't know. I mean, take take six months to plan it, get everybody in like a wood fest, a Woodstock somewhere. Just big big place that would be great one day um we're gonna have to just let the uh the, the dark clouds pass over a little bit more i guess to uh, let people uh, who knows may actually maybe maybe that's not the case maybe waiting is the wrong thing maybe waiting for the right time to get back to living is not the way that we should be doing obviously got to do some planning but uh you know culture, a lot of planning yeah it's a yeah, lot of planning a lot of planning a lot of money a lot of stress like i, I i'm a stress-free guy last time i put together a show i was like man <laughs> i gotta get someone else to do more than i did that time but it's all good you do a lot just to just to barely break even that's the other thing we used to put a lot of shows together around here and uh no crew you're working you're breaking things down until four o'clock in the morning taking a u-haul truck back at 4 30 in the morning and uh and, and the, the people that show up it just paid for the pa system but it was a good time and that's all that doesn't that doesn't uh that doesn't the, the older you get that does not uh pass as a success because then you you feel like you lost a year of your life so Anyway, dude, it's great to have you on. What's your broadcast schedule like? Where can people find you other than your YouTube and, of course, your Twitter, Legendary Energy? Um, tell us where you're going to be next. Yeah, uh, dreamrarelinks.com. I have all my links there. It's D-R-E-A-M-R-A-R-E-L-I-N-K-S.com, dreamrarelinks. I don't have a schedule right now, but I probably should. I'm a little random, so you catch them when you catch them. If you're live, you catch them live. If not... You could catch it on the podcast, on the YouTube, Rumble, BitChute, Facebook, all that stuff. So dreamrarelinks.com. And thanks for having me as always, my guy. And, uh, yeah, until the next time, we'll, we'll figure out a way to get some in-person, uh, real-life equations going on. But, yeah, it's, good. It's, it's tough work. No worries. No worries. You let, and you, you let me know if you ever want to do another show. We'll do this. Uh, I'll check in with you every couple of months or so. But it's always great having you on. You have a lot of fans in this audience, too. So... We share a lot. Appreciate you. Thanks for thanks for having me. All right, brother. Take care. Thank you, guys. Later. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is 8.15. We're taking a little bit of a break. Intermission. When we come back, we're going to take your calls, your super chats, and uh, your opinions, all that other stuff. Lots to do still. So don't go too far, all right? It's intermission time, folks. Time out. Press the like button. Thank you. We'll be right back. Yeah, intermissions. 
entering. Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly in Roma Italia. Quite frankly. You going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. some announcements first announcement is for quite frankly tv tonight um quite frankly tv tonight powered by foxhole it's rabbit hole wednesday and tonight we're going to be playing the art and cinema of david lynch so that's going to be trippy that's gonna be trippy fall down the rabbit hole of madness and dreams That'll be tonight. And uh, tomorrow is Throwback Thursday. And then it is Up Chuck Friday. No, it's the weekend roundup on Friday. Let's start getting into some of your super chats, see everybody's doing. Let's see. Hello to everybody on Rockfin. I love seeing everybody milling around in the chat room on Rockfin over there. On, let's see. Start getting all your calls ready too. Nine one four five nine five six nine five three. First one up, Stostube says, in support of great independent media, here's a little something, something for the pot. Great guest tonight as usual. Thanks again, Frank. Thank you. Thank you to the whole family out there. It really is something, and I, I appreciate it. And I really do, as I always say, I don't plug myself enough, but I want to remind you how important it is to support independent media that you enjoy, no matter what it is. The bare minimum, please give this episode a thumbs up. Uh, uh, hit the rumble like over there too. Share it. Give, fr- quite frankly, five stars on iTunes. A nice review over there on Spotify, wherever you listen to it. And for everything else, you can go to quitefrankly.tv and become a sponsor of the show for as little as $2 a month. That is, I have so many options. Um, there are specialty perks i still have slots open for postcards and polaroids and and a whole bunch of other stuff go to subscribe star if you're not going to go to quite frankly.tv that's always wonderful lots of things you get and universal perks especially book club sessions and all that so go ahead and hang out there's also the po boxes over there too if you ever want to send a holiday card All right, I wanted to wish a happy birthday, very special happy birthday to Jessica Ferrante, okay? I have to wish, because I was reached out, out to by her husband, Jim. All right, she is a viewer, it sounds like the whole household is a viewer, are viewers of the show, but from what I hear, Jessica is sharp as a tack. 
and her husband loves her very much. And I hope that she has a great, great birthday. I really do. And I hope that she enjoyed tonight's show. I hope this puts the exclamation point on it. Now, I got another email over here. This is from Sean in regards to a... In regard to a, a, a little story that we did about a man who walked into a California restaurant with two steaks and started slapping vegans across the face. Now, it was too nice. It was too good of a story for me to leave behind completely. Mark Swan had sent it to me. I said, are you sure this is real? He said, absolutely. Well, it's not real. And I said, it may not be, but it was just still too good. It was still too good of a story not to just give that to you. But this is from Sean. He said, good afternoon, Frank. First off, I would like to say how happy I am to have found your podcast. Been listening since the Thursday after you covered for Blonde on the Wednesday call-in show. Oh, oh, with Matt and Blonde. And that's 2020. I am from Ohio in California. It is my hometown where my parents currently reside. I would like to applaud you for pronouncing the name of the town properly. Oh, hi. Let me tell you something, Sean. Very not, there's not many city names that I pronounce properly on this show, even if I've been coached prior to. But uh, many people will say, oh, Jai, or some other mess of mispronunciation. The steak slap story is fake, however. I can't find any local news story about it. That being said, Ohio is a different kind of small town, and a story like that happening is very Ohio kind of a thing. The town is a lot of aging shitlib hippies and old conservatives. Almost every restaurant has vegan options now, and the town is infested with Teslas, electric bicycles, and Priuses. Funny enough, Oakview, the unincorporated town you pass through on your way to Ojai, is full of white supremacists, lifted trucks, and rednecks. Somehow, most of the valley is able to still coexist peacefully with many people not locking their front doors or vehicles. So, too long didn't read version, no stake slapping has occurred, but it would be very on brand for that to happen in Ojai. P.S. I'm gay! So there you go. There's Gay Sean from Ohio, California. All right. Boy, a lot came up tonight, huh? Smelly Weasel says, I've been going down the rabbit hole of street preachers at pride events. If you want to see the if you want to see the uh, the tolerance and the love that the left claims that they stand for, see how they react to someone simply talking about Jesus. Oh, I see it. I see it. And remember, this is all trigger. This is MK Ultra trigger right there. I I have a little something that I want to put together maybe Friday night. Maybe Friday night or next week on a Monday maybe next Monday, I don't know. But it is some work that was done by where is it? Um Is this it? Where is she? No, that's not it. Work that's done by uh, Hannah Grossman. She writes for Fox News, I believe. And she did a big, big breakdown of a, a, a large, almost like owner's manual of how to indoctrinate kids and to build triggers into them to really be able to bring rage out and to turn them into more effective activists 
later in life. How this is a uh, very widely circulated. Let me see here. Is this it? Yeah. Fox News Digital Reviews, Yale's tightly guarded and emotionally invasive ruler approach, K-12 curriculum, which has been accused of social engineering millions of kids into raging activists. We're going to talk about this soon, and I want to, I want to lump this into some other mind control themes that have been popping up, because if this is very conventional stuff, this is very conventional stuff, this is just through, this is mind control control through repetition and through um, other types of Pavlovian tactics to be able to get calls and responses from children to make sure that they are forever, forever infantile and always triggered by things that will, that will, um, that will challenge this new orthodox view of how a godless world should be and everything that lives underneath that umbrella. So we're going to be talking about that sometime soon and because there's a lot of fresh material to to dive into on the subject. But let's go into a little bit more, shall we? Here is a tip from Todd Fife over on Rockfin and a very nice tip too. Thank you so much, Todd. On to Rumble. On to Rumble. Todd has always been good to me over the last year or so. KT Sky D says, damn it. Okay, Frank, you win. I've been sticking up for DeSantis this whole time. Embarrassing. Well, listen, I've been sticking up for him too. From a Floridian standpoint, I said, hey, stay down there and work as long as you can. And whereas he has done uh, great things in, in state, he's not doing it alone. He's doing it with the help of his state legislature, and of course the people on the floor, people like Chris Ann Hall, who have put adequate pressure on their state legislature. And they have the votes down there to elect fantastic governors for all of the years after DeSantis, if they keep up that, if they keep up that, that uh, culture of self-responsibility as a state, they can do wonderful, wonderful things. They really can. And I know that there's other things there about uh, about uh, gender transitioning uh, that he's putting his, his signature to and him saying that there's not going to be any digital currencies foisted upon the state there. But, you know, the way that the last couple of days have turned out and the opportunism that has been captured, has been grabbed at by him just doesn't it's it's very scummy. It really is, especially if, you know, you could say, well, well, Frank, if. You know, Donald Trump has been going after him with with no reason whatsoever. Then why not take a pot shot at him with the Stormy Daniels comment? It's it's low hanging fruit. So yeah, that's the that's the case, but it's not the case. It's very easy to see at this point right now that Donald Trump was not going at after him for no good reason. We were. I was wondering what Donald Trump knew that we didn't. Because that was not the case. You know, um, I, I, I was mum on DeSantis for a while. But when I see a guy who rode Trump's coattails to build himself a viable brand there in Florida and is now using cheap seven-year-old Stormy Daniels story as a way to finally come out and, and tease people about what he's going to do. I said, ah, oh, that's, that's, geez, man. Especially if you, that means you're going to cut your time short as governor in Florida. 
when everybody invested all their faith in you to stay there and make them something different than the rest of the union. I mean, that should be the most enticing job in the world right now to be a governor in a state that is trying to reinvent itself. You're going to waste your time going to D.C. where everything is hopeless. You know, I, I figured I figured Trump had to know something that we didn't. Why else would he preemptively burn a bridge with a guy who prior to last November was the subject of many people's debates as whether or not he should be Trump's running mate. You remember that? Well, that's just the case. Last November, Republicans, the the uh, the party leadership over there, they had a mediocre midterm, as we all know, in large part because the Paul Ryan types over there were misallocating money into stupid races, knowing that it was going to hamstring Republican turnout and everything else. They completely left their voters dangling in the wind. And then when they came out to address the public and the media after the election, when we saw that they just barely took back the House, they lost some seats in the Senate or whatever the hell it is, and and what they do? They went out there and they said that it was Trump. It was Trump. Trump had poisoned the field, which was obvious bullshit any way you slice it. Well, shortly after that, one of our friends over here called us up, Rich Barris, who does not lie, who would never lie, which is why I took I took it as truth from the beginning. I just didn't, you know, at that point, we were just waiting to see it come to fruition. Rich Barris called in shortly after the midterm election. We'll talk to Rich next week. He'll be on the, on the show with me next Wednesday, the 29th. So I'll bring this up, no doubt about it. But he called in and he said, that his good sources, his friends, tell him that DeSantis has been getting courted by the very same Paul Ryan types in order to finally divorce themselves from a man, Donald Trump, who for as imperfect as he is and as swampy as his cabinet had gotten in the four years that he was there, caused the status quo a significant number of issues that they did not want to deal with anymore. So this week with Piers Morgan, it made a lot of sense as to uh, why so much silence from DeSantis during these months when at any time he could have just taken fun. You know, during the months worth of Donald Trump making new names for DeSantis and taking pot shots at him and really trying to, you know, uh, tarnish his brand, DeSantis is being kind of quiet about the whole thing. And I'm saying to myself, why? If this is a big misunderstanding, it will take five minutes for Ron DeSantis to come out to uh, either call up Trump directly to dispel any kind of rumors about him running, you know, definitively. You could dispel that easily to credit Trump for his successes and that he wishes him luck in 2024 would take less than five minutes. And that would have been easy to do, but obviously not possible when you're playing footsie with the party leadership, which is what is, is becoming at least apparent to me. So, um, so I, I just, you know, you know me, I, I just think that why are you going to leave Florida? Why are you going to leave a good thing in Florida to help out Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell wrestle control back into their hands securely, which is not going to ever be secure. We've already seen too much. We hate them as much as we hate Democrats. So that's just it. That's just my those are the things that are popping up for me. And then when I see this, where is it? I brought it up before, where he called Putin a war criminal and he needs to answer for his 
his invasion of Ukraine. I said, okay, well, here's one thing I can tell you. You might be very upset with Donald Trump about the about Operation Warp Speed and the vaccine. And I told you from the get-go, back in late 2020, that was a non-starter for me. I told you from the get-go, and I know that everybody has theories as to why he had to do it, and you know how I, me, I, I said if you have to put your name to that to fast-track at least research, then you could on a public relations level take things a little bit differently than than being a cheerleader for it. But that being put aside, the one thing you can say that we would have, at least if at the first four years or any any uh, any kind of any kind of glimpse. The first, the one thing you can say with Donald Trump is that he's not going to go out there making Putin pay for his war crimes. Or at least when you stack him up against Ron DeSantis, I would say I would put my money that Trump would do that least. Okay, no wars. He tried to dial back wars to the point where the Pentagon was lying to him. You remember when he was trying to pull everybody out of Syria and the Pentagon was lying to him about troop placement? They were, they were hiding from the commander-in-chief where our troops were so he could not pull them out of war zones. So, uh, I mean, I, I would say point goes to Trump on the peace angle. Anyway, that's what I just wanted to say on that. Thank you, Cat Sky D. Let's see what else we have over here. Another one from Cat says Anomaly. Inquiring minds in the Gilded Chat want to know what kind of shampoo and conditioner do you use? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see that. I'm sure he would have said. I'm sure he would have said. He answered the target question. That came from the Gilded Chat as well. Larkstar says, Frank, how about Red Rocks, Colorado, outdoors in the fall for Frankly Festival? Can you imagine? Outdoors in the fall? Oh, that sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. Whenever peak foliage is, then that that's where I'd want to be. I've played outside in the fall many times. It's great. It's so great. You definitely stay warm. You don't need a jacket. You don't need anything. That would be so beautiful. Especially if you're right there at the base of a, you know, some kind of a mountain valley or something like that where all around you, you just see these mountain ranges and you're at the bottom of it and you're just playing the show. That would be, that would be incredible. Really incredible, okay. Over on to Foxhole on quitefrankly.tv. Jesse sends a cookie, thank you. Youper Viking says, hi Frank and Franklies, hope everyone is happy and well. Hi mom, love you more. Love you more, Mom. That's what my mom says to me. So love you, Mom. I love you more, Frankie. And I know... Uh, I believe her now. I believe her now. Now that I... Uh, now that... Now that I'm a father, I believe her. And that... that this, it's just... It's impossible. It would It would be impossible... For Aurora to ever love me... More than I love her. It'd be impossible. She can love me a lot, but it would, it's impossible. And it took me, you know, 35 years, but I know my mom is telling the truth now. She does love me more. Let me see. Siege says, Jesus is the answer. Amen. Thank you, Jesse. 
Thank you, Boyce Blanc. Thank you, Chai Possum. Great show so far. Thanks, Frankie, says Chai. Boyce Blanc says, what's Aurora's new word or phrase? Oh, man. New word or phrase. We get dissertations. She, I mean, she was sitting in her high chair today, and for some reason she went, think, Aurora, think. I said, what? Think about what? She's saying things like that. And then she'll say, oh, man, what's another one? What's something else that she's been saying? Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's like that's like saying you know what are some words and phrases that your that your best friend has been saying lately. <laughs> I don't know. We just have so many we have so many intricate discussions about things. It's it's kind of frightening. Maybe maybe Lauren if, she, if Lauren's watching, maybe she can message me and jog my memory. But uh, it, it's, I'm blanking now. I got to just start writing things down so I can report back to you guys. Let's see here. Uh, Boys Blanc again. Francis, could you please repeat that website for your guest? Oh, I forgot it. I forgot it. You're going to have to go back in the, re, in the, in, you know, I don't know, reverse. A lot, a lot of these streams buffer. You can, you can go back at, and reverse and go take a listen to it. I'll dig through it. I'll put it out there. Oh, how could I forget this? Lauren just wrote back to me and she put in quotations. I love you so much. That's what she's been saying lately. She's been saying that I love you so much. Come give me a hug, you guys. And she'll bring us both in for a hug. And, um, she'll go up to Lauren and she'll wrap her arms around her knees and she'll go, my mother, because I I showed her, she's been watching Peter Pan, the 1953 Peter Pan. And, uh, cause I was, you know, I'm showing her it's just select originals, like Lady and the Tramp, Peter Pan. She loves Cinderella. And so, you know, when Michael, when, when and Wendy, you know, I saw what they did to the, the new Peter Pan. I mean, I'm not going to watch it, but I saw what they did to everything. And it really just goes to show how little they don't understand source material. What Wendy really, uh, what Wendy really represented and how badass she was. It just goes to show. Because when she's in there and she's telling all the lost boys about what a mother is and why, why, why she's so important and all that, and she's getting everybody... You know, all missing their moms, and they they want it. They want to have a mom, and she says, "So you can come back with me. I'll I'll be your mom, and we there's plenty of room in the nursery and all that stuff." And that's when little Michael says, "I want to go home, and I miss my mother." And and Laura, uh, Aurora, Aurora started saying, "My mother," and she started hugging mo- uh, her mom and all that, and that's been great too. And um, <laughs> oh oh, and she'll say. She'll say, uh, Mom, I don't want to grow up. I need you. And <laughs> we're like, you, well, you don't have to grow up. Don't worry about it. You just enjoy yourself and things like that. She'll, I need you. And, um, oh, and then she, then she says stuff like, lay down, lay down. And she, and you, I told you, she puts me to, to bed all the time. And if I move a muscle, she goes, no, 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 shh, shh, go sleep. Go sleep. And she puts her hands in my face. Go sleep. 
<laughs> so, um, and then of course everything is come, follow me. You know how many times I stand up from my from my kitchen table when I'm writing during the day for the nighttime show. I stand up at least 20 times to go follow her into the other rooms and, and see what she's cooking. All the things that she's cooking, the, the buttons that she's cooking. She's making some kind of a soup with, uh, you know, ribbons and all that other stuff like I told you about. I, what am I going to do? When she says, come, follow me. What am I going to tell her? No. I, I Maybe one out of every 20 times she asks me to come and follow her somewhere. I'll tell her, Aurora, I just need to finish this one thing, okay? Just give me a second. She goes, okay. And then she skips out of the room. But every time I have to tell her that, I, my heart breaks. But I got to get some work done. I got to get some work done. So, um, there you have it. Okay, uh, let's see here. Swickly says, speaking of music, I'd appreciate your feedback on my songs. Well, share your songs in the uh, in the Gilded. See what everybody out there uh, thinks about them. I'm sure they'll be honest with you. They'll tell you if it stinks. Stunk. Stink. Go put it in the Gilded see what people say. That'll You'll get some really quick feedback over there. All right, let's see. It's 841. Oh, shit. Well, let's play some of this. I can't go on a break, and maybe we'll take some calls. So I talked about the, the Manhattan DA, how they called off all of the vote and all that stuff today because of a last-minute witness that kind of blew the whole damn thing up. What is it? Well, it's this guy, Robert Costello. Here he is yesterday, or on the 20th, with Tucker Carlson. It's a minute, 45 seconds. Listen to this. When I say once in a while, he did this at least 20 times and said, guys, I want you to know, I will do whatever the F I have to do. I will never spend one day in jail. He's talking about Michael Cohen and his willingness to say literally anything. Now, what he's saying is, I'll lie, cheat, steal, shoot somebody. I will not spend a day in jail. Do you think a guy whose mentality is that is going to not admit that he has information on Donald Trump? But having said that, the DA's office didn't ask me questions to bring that up. And I, I brought it up anyway. I, didn't, I ignored their questions and simply gave them the information. I'm hearing rap in my ear, left and right. Uh, I'll continue if you want, but uh, I- Well, let pre- me just ask you one, one sure. final question, if it's okay, Mr. Cassell. Sure. If, if you were the DA, if you were a prosecutor and you were trying to be fair and honest and serve the law rather than a political agenda, you'd want to know that, wouldn't you? Absolutely. And I told them and told the grand jury today, I was deputy chief of the criminal division of the U.S. attorneys for the Southern District. I said, I wouldn't touch a witness like Michael Cohn for any amount of money. You simply cannot rely upon this guy. And tonight, he was on another station denying that he waived the attorney-client privilege. Here it is, in writing, and that's his signature on the second page. So I guess he didn't know that, and the district attorney didn't know that, and I told them, Michael Cohn has been in your office 20 times and twice in the grand jury, and he forgot to tell you that he waived the attorney-client privilege 22 times? I mean, really, is this the kind of witness you want to ride to the finish line? Not in my book. I I think all they care about is the finish line, but um, I sure... So this this is New York's case. And again, this is why the feds did not touch this. But Alvin Bragg... I mean, he, uh, uh, you know, 
He's got to do something else other than raid the dollar menu. Got to do something else. He's a DA. You know, it's New York. This is as good as uh, receiving communion. You know, something. What are you going to do? I'm going to leave my mark. I'm going to take down Donald Trump. It's going to be like taking down Gotti. That's exactly what these people think. The Fed said no to this, but he's pushing on. So uh, whatever Robert Costello presented in that uh, before that grand jury, outside of the bounds of what he was being told, what he was being asked, that he was just disclosing these things to people in the courtroom, I, it, it must have shook the confidence of a lot of people there because they were only, again, being shown a myopic, very narrow view of what the hell the big picture was, much like everything else from January 6th on up. You know, I'm sure that they're going to call it Stalin-esque. They're going to call it Hitler-esque. That now there are going to be, perhaps if they push it that far, hundreds of new documents that are exculpatory that are now introduced into the courtroom that were held out before just so that they can get a uh, a bill of indictment. So th- this is what we're, we're dealing with. It's absolutely pathetic, and it has gripped people for... I don't know how long now, since last Friday. Aaron Rupar, who is an absolute drooling idiot. He reacts to Van Jones having one of those every once in a while moments of clarity and hesitancy about pushing something too far. You remember when Van Jones was one of the only people, media personalities in 2016, early 2017, who, yeah, uh, I mean, on, uh, on street camera was willing to admit that the whole Russia thing was a nothing burger, but they turned it into a three and a half year crusade that went nowhere, but it ate up time and affected two elections. But uh, here he is on CNN expressing some hesitancy about what they're doing with the Manhattan DA. And Aaron Rupar goes, what's the deal with Van Jones? Yikes. I can't. Well, the, the yikes stuff. Like, oh, my gosh. This is a slam dunk. Well, it, it's, it is a slam dunk for a retard like you, Aaron. I think that the heat uh, is on this DA. Uh, I think he's going to make a very sober decision, and I would not be surprised if he doesn't step back from the brink. I just think that the reality is uh, uh, he's got to make a sober decision now. Um, I agree uh, with David. Uh, a, a charge like this, uh, a porn star payoff seven years ago, uh, somehow tied to the election, but not really. Uh, it, does, it, it doesn't seem like the right way to go. The right way, and this is a guy who probably really would love to take a victory lap around Donald Trump getting arrested and having a mugshot taken. Remember, he was so he he was so stupid and invested in all this lying that the day that the Associated Press and everybody officially declared Joe Biden the winner of the election, he was crying. Van Jones was crying as they celebrated and jumped on top of car roofs, wherever the hell they were doing that. He was crying. So this is not a a particularly sober guy, okay? But uh, even this, he's like, I mean, and, and who knows how much he knew when he said that. Maybe, even if you can go after him right now because of a, you know, a porn star payoff from, you know, seven years ago, which had to do with an affair for 10 years before that. And it is just so vaguely 
about, you know, it's all about loose interpretation as far as how you can apply this to, uh, you know, influencing an election and turning it into a felony. But they just need something. Remember, they, they've been playing with themselves for a long time. I mean, there is no hue. You cannot go to Home Depot and find the shade of blue that their balls are on any paint swatches they have available. All right? This is years of playing with themselves with no climax. You cannot find the shade blue on any swatch. It's not possible. So that's uh that's just where that's where that's leaving off. That is where that is leading and leaving off. Now there's one other thing here. I have a little bit of a, uh, this is about a four-minute clip that I found from, this was on John B. Wells' Twitter, and it is of Janet Yellen. Now, listen to this. It was Senator Lankford, I believe, questioning her about how uh, he's making some, what they say here, Smart senator asks Biden Treasury Secretary about bank bailouts, and he makes a connection that no one saw coming. Now, this is four minutes long. It's going to take us almost right to the end. But I wanted to put it on out there since I think it's pretty relevant, all the things that are going on at the same time. Here you go. Listen to this. Let me start with some of the banking issues we're dealing with on it. Will the deposits in every community bank in Oklahoma, regardless of their size, be fully insured now? Are they fully recovered? Every bank, every community bank in Oklahoma, regardless of the size of the deposit, will they get the same treatment that SVBP just got or Signature Bank just got? A bank only gets that treatment if a majority of the FDIC board, a supermajority, a supermajority of the Fed board, and I, in consultation with the president, determine that the failure to protect uninsured depositors would create systemic risk and significant economic and financial consequences. So what is and your plan? that determination. Right. right. So, so what is your banks. plan to keep large depositors from moving their funds out of community banks into the big banks? We have seen the mergers of banks over the past decade I'm concerned you're about to accelerate that by encouraging anyone who has a large deposit in a community bank to say, we're not going to make you whole, but if you go to one of our preferred banks, we will make you whole at that point. Um, She's trying to figure out that this mousy cartoon woman is trying to figure out how to, how to proceed without just saying, oh, oh yeah, well, we are consolidating everything, all assets everything into the big banks that uh, we work hand in glove with. Look, I mean, we're, that's certainly not something that we're encouraging. Of course, nothing that they do is, in, is ever meant to encourage the fallout, the eventual fallout. Nothing that they, that they do was meant to encourage the eventual fallout. Of course not. It's only the best of intentions with everything. That is happening right now. That is happening because depositors are concerned about the bank failures that have happened and whether or not 
other banks could also uh, no, it, it, fail. It's happening and because it's, you're fully insured no matter what the amount is if you're in a big bank. You're not fully insured if you're in a community bank. Well, you're not fully insured. And you, you big, were at signature, the, and the it, big, was, it just barely met that threshold. You were at signature. Well, we felt that there was a serious risk of contagion that could have brought down and triggered runs on many banks, um, and that something, given that our judgment is that... Can you, like, what, 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 she's, they all have such a hard time speaking. My gosh, she seems like she was rolled out of a nursing home and, and she's being rehabilitated. The banking system overall is safe and sound. It's not safe and sound. That's the whole point. And the reason why there's runs on the banks and the reason why people are more unstable than ever before is because even though you won't start stop printing money, it is very apparent that there is nothing that resembles money in these bank vaults. It, it, it's it's such a, a deception. And it's of, of course, it's, it's a deception that we are all very, very heavily reliant on if we want to buy a gallon of milk. Anything. Forget about your retirements. Just, I mean, just think about the everyday things, the, the dollars in your pocket. Man, oh man. Um, depositors should have confidence in the system, and we took these actions. So there's a special assessment that's been done on community banks in my state and all banks across the country. Was there any discussion that that special assessment would only apply to the larger banks, or was it always assumed the special assessment would cover every bank, including rural banks in my state? Um, I, I think I, I'm not certain what the rules are around that. Um, that that's uh, for the FDIC to determine. It, it has been reported publicly that uh, SVB had a large number of Chinese investors that are there, including some that were companies directly connected to the Chinese Communist Party. It, will, will those individual, will those individuals, companies, entities, and investors that are Chinese investors be made whole based on assessments? in my banks in Oklahoma. So what I'm asking is, will my banks in Oklahoma pay a special assessment to be able to make Chinese investors whole from Silicon Valley Bank? Uninsured investors will be made whole in that bank, and I suppose that could include foreign, in, foreign depositors, but I don't believe there's any legal basis to discriminate among uninsured I get it, but I, I'm just saying my community banks are going to pay this additional fee. It is always fascinating to me as well, the conversation that taxpayers are being made whole in this, that taxpayers are not going to have any kind of consequence on this. I'm sure my bankers are going to be very excited to know they no longer pay taxes uh, and their banks no longer pay taxes. Credit unions don't pay taxes. Banks do. And so they're definitely taxpayers as well. And all banks make their revenue off of rates and fees and such to their account holders, which means every Oklahoman will pay higher fees we're, in their community we're, bank. We're just we, going to have to move on. If we have lapse of the banking system and its economic consequences, that will have very severe effects I, on banks in Oklahoma I'm, that will also be threatened. I, I'm just worried about the long... I'm just worried about the... A complete collapse of the banking system? It was safe and sound, though.
Well, it's only safe and sound because we put on the printing press again and we sent out trillions of dollars and we just sent out the trillions of dollars and we'll do trillions more. And that equals safety and soundlessly. We're all safely and soundly now. That's how we're very smart. We're smart, smart people and you can trust us. Very smart. Nobody can do this job. There's a, oh, there's a problem? Print money. Nobody can do this job. Janet Yellen is a superwoman. Oh, there's, another, there's a collapse? Print money. I have diabetes. Print money. And it's, it's just so ridiculous. So that's some, a little bit of insight into the people who are preventing us from experiencing the full, the full weight of an economic collapse. That that strange mouse woman who can barely speak. All right, all right, all right, all right. Well, Boys Blanc says, Frank uh, Francis, thank you. Going to have my first grandbaby. So looking forward to those moments. It's more exciting. It's more exciting than ever. Yes, that is going to be exciting. Yes, it is. Okay, let's see. You're so much needed breath of fresh air in tonight's show, Frank, said Keith. Thank you so much. I'm I'm appreciative of you all. And let me just make sure that I have everybody else worked out before we get off and ready for another night tomorrow, which is going to be a good one. We're all, we're all set up with Rumble and PF. Tofu to TV in the chat says, love you, Frank. Don't worry. You're not boring you're not boring. Fuentes is a twerp. What does that mean? Fuentes? What, did Nick Fuentes call me boring? He even knows who I am? What does that mean? Don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. I don't give a shit. That would be funny. That would be funny. That's, that's one guy. That would be funny. All right. Anyway. Thank you guys so much. I will see you tomorrow, 7 o'clock. We've got Dr. Peter McCullough on the line, and we've also got Jay Gulinello in studio. So it'll be a health medicine full two hours, but we'll only have Dr. McCullough for a little bit in the beginning. So with that, I wish you all a wonderful, wonderful night. I hope that it has been enjoyable for you, and thank you so much again to Anomaly for hanging with me. We'll talk to you soon. Good night. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Pete F, Stostube, Smelly Weasel, and all my good friends on Rumble Rants, Cat Sky D, and Larkstar. I love you all. Thank you so much. And tomorrow is another day. For now, get over to quitefrankly.tv because Rabbit Hole Wednesday is only starting. It's the after show. After show on the Quite Frankly Network. We'll talk soon. Good night.